The ACB Braille Forum, Volume 61, November 2022, Number 5. Published by the American Council of the Blind. Read by Nancy Gahagan in the recording studio of the Perkins Library. Be a part of ACB. The American Council of the Blind, trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, contact the National Office at 1-800-424-8666. Contribute to our work. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention Treasurer, ACB 6200 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 155, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the National Office. To make a contribution to ACB by the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. Check in with ACB. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection 24-7 at 1-800-424-8666 or read it online. Listen to ACB reports by downloading the MP3 file from www.acb.org or call 518-906-1820 and choose option 8. Tune into ACB Media at www.acbmedia.org or by calling 518-906-1820. Learn more about us at www.acb.org. Follow us on Twitter at ACB National or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ACBNATIONAL. Copyright 2022 American Council of the Blind. Eric Bridges, Executive Director, Sharon Lovering, Editor. 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311. Table of Contents A Brief Message from the President by Dan Spoon Join us at the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Join ACB in the Land of Lincoln by Janet Dickelman. Tune in to the 2022 Audio Description Awards Gala. Describing While Blind. Audio Description by Blind People for Blind People by Lolly Lieski. Audio Description brings the cruising experience to life. ACBDA President's Message by Tom Tobin. Unwrapping the Sweetness That is the ACBDA Peer Mentor Relations Program by Elizabeth Alexa. Join us in ACB Diabetics in Action by Linda Olivia McKinley. Accessible Insulin Pumps by Kat Hamilton. Accessible Insulin Pump Task Force by Veronica Elsie. Accessibility of Tandem T-Slim X2 Insulin Pump and T-Connect Mobile App with Bolus Capabilities, A Step in the Right Direction, by Matricia Maddox. A New Lease on Life, by Jeff Bishop. Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. I Remember, by Tyson Ernst. Upcoming Forum Themes and Deadlines. 
January 2023, hard copy. 2022 year in review. Deadline, November 23rd. Correction. Due to an editing error, the cooking time information was left off the patriotic M&M cookie bars. Recipes from our readers, July 2022. The sentences that were left off are, bake for 20 to 22 minutes or until lightly golden brown around the edges. The edges will be crisp, but the center will be a little gooey. A brief message from the president. Happy Thanksgiving to our ACB family. Please enjoy the ACB Media Holiday Auction on Sunday, November 27, and the AD Awards Gala on Tuesday, November 29. Dan Spoon. Join us at the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Don't forget that the 11th annual ACB Media Holiday Auction is coming up soon. It will be on Sunday, November 27, with a sneak peek appetizer auction on Friday and Saturday, November 25 and 26. You can start registering on Tuesday, November 1 at members.acb.org. This is a fantastic way to get some of those holiday bargains for either gifts for yourself or your friends or family members. Happy bidding! We look forward to hearing everyone at the auction. Join ACB in the Land of Lincoln by Janet Dickelman Yes, in 2023, ACB will be in Schaumburg, Illinois. I love looking up state facts, see below, but as someone who grew up in Illinois, the most important Illinois fact I want to share with you is that the S in Illinois is silent. As this issue goes to print, the convention committee will have just wrapped up its fall visit to Schaumburg. During that time, we will meet with the local host committee, talk with hotel staff, contact volunteer groups, and visit potential tour venues. In-person convention dates are June 30 through July 7. The opening general session will be Saturday evening, July 1. The exhibit hall will be open Saturday through Wednesday, July 1 through July 5. Our banquet will be Thursday evening, the 6th. Tours will run from June 30 through July 7. ACB committees, special interest affiliates, and business partners will hold programming during the in-person convention as well as via Zoom. Stay tuned for more information on how the 2023 convention will be configured. Now for some fun Illinois information. Illinois is the prairie state and, as mentioned earlier, the land of Lincoln. State amphibian, eastern tiger salamander. State animal, white-tailed deer. State Artifact, Pirogue, which is a canoe made by hollowing out a tree trunk. State Bird, Northern Cardinal. State Dance, Square Dance. State Exercise, Cycling. State Fish, Bluegill. State Flower, Violet. State Fruit, Gold Rush Apple. State Grain, Corn. State Insect, Monarch Butterfly. State Plant, Milkweed. State tree, white oak. And my two personal favorites, the state pie is pumpkin, and Illinois' state snack food is popcorn. Staying in touch. The conference and convention announce list will be filled with information. To subscribe, send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe 
at acblists.org. If you received updates for the 2022 convention, you do not need to subscribe to the list. Hotel details. Room rates at the Renaissance are $98 per night double occupancy, with an additional $10 charge for up to four people, plus tax, which is currently 15%. To make reservations online, visit tinyurl.com slash numeral 2 MB numeral 9 YN numeral 5 J. For telephone reservations, call 1-800-468-3571. This is a central reservations number, so please indicate you are with the American Council of the Blind 2023 Conference and Convention at the Renaissance Hotel in Schaumburg, Illinois. Rooms must be reserved by June 8, 2023, to guarantee the convention rate. For any convention-related questions, please contact Janet Dickelman, Convention Chair, 651-428-5059, or via email, janet.dickelman at gmail.com. Tune in to the 2022 Audio Description Awards Gala. ACB Second Annual Audio Description Awards Gala, a virtual event, will take place on Tuesday, November 29, 2022. The gala will once again celebrate outstanding achievements in audio description in media and expand awareness of its many benefits. In recent years, there has been enormous success in expanding audio description for audiences who are blind, low vision, or have other sensory disabilities that create barriers to full inclusion in visual media. The Audio Description Awards Gala will celebrate the best of the best within the art and science of inclusive audio-described media, said Eric Bridges, ACB's Executive Director. Together, we will work to expand awareness of the transformative value that audio description brings to the lives of people with disabilities. It has been around for television and other media for over 30 years and has blossomed recently, becoming an integral part of every television network, film studio, and streaming services inclusion strategy. One goal of the 2022 Audio Description Awards Gala is to raise funding to support ACB's audio description project which works with stakeholders and industry leaders to provide accessible video entertainment through the delivery of audio-described content. To help support the ADP, please visit www.adawardsgala.org donate. The Audio Description Project promotes and advocates for the use of high-quality audio description in television, movies, performing arts, museums, educational materials, and other venues where the presentation of visual media is critical to the understanding and appreciation of the content. The ADP's goals are to sponsor a broad range of activities designed to build awareness of audio description among the general public as well as its principal users, people who are blind or have low vision. Be sure to visit the ADP website at adp.acb.org. Please join ACB on November 29, 2022, to celebrate audio description in media. Visit www.adawardsgala.org to learn more. To view the 2021 event, visit youtu.be slash a 
numeral 9, Z, numeral 5, capital FCB, lowercase fp, capital NU. To stay up to date with announcements for the event, follow Twitter and Instagram at ACB National and at www.adawardsgala.org. www.adawardsgala.org. Describing while blind. Audio description by blind people for blind people. By Lolly Lieski. The recent explosion of audio description, AD, on streaming services, broadcast television networks, and in the movies has brought about an awakening within the blind and low vision community. The realization that blind people can perform the various aspects of AD has enabled many blind and low vision people to take the plunge to learn how to write, voice, perform quality control, QC, and engineer audio description tracks for TV, movies, and even the ACB AD Gala. So what does it take to become an audio describer? I recently interviewed three community members about the joys and challenges of AD. Chris Snyder from Phoenix, Robert Kinget from Chicago, and Nefertiti Matos Olivares from New York City. Chris is the veteran of the group, and Robert and Nefertiti are newer to the work. Here is what they shared. These interviews are lightly edited for brevity. Lolilieski. Describe the various aspects of audio description that you are involved in. How long have you been in the field? Nefertiti Matos Olivares I have been a consumer and a student of AD for a long time. My background until recently was in assistive technology, but I burned out on that, so I decided to make a living through one of my passions by professionalizing in voiceover work, specific to AD. Of the multiple roles, narration is my favorite, but I also perform QC and I take on writing projects selectively. I have been involved for just about a year. Robert Kinget I perform QC and write and edit scripts for TV and movies. I have been in the field for four years, but I have been an advocate and consumer of AD for much longer. Chris Snyder I am a voiceover artist, audio engineer and producer, trained audio QC expert and voice talent director. I have been in the field for 20 years. Lolly. Describe the process you use for doing your work. Nefertiti. First, I learned about digital audio workstations, DAWs, and specifically which are most accessible with assistive technology. I researched the hardware necessary to do the work. Networking is key, so I tapped into the blind vine and chose people who I felt I could trust to teach me about accessible products and workarounds. I enrolled in a voice acting academy and then practiced becoming comfortable behind the mic. It helps to have a background in writing to perform QC, as well as to have a general understanding of the art and science of AD and know what makes for good AD. Writing AD is perhaps the most controversial aspect of AD for a blind person to do. I hire a visual interpreter service like Ira. The visual assistant does not do the work of writing the script. Robert. Writing AD is a very involved process. I take the file from the client and listen through it several times for sound cues, cadences, tone of voice, and other things that could lead to AD later in the process. I bring in a trusted friend and or coworker or two, and they give an amateur description. 
Then I tell them what I think is happening based on sound cues and effects. Then I cross-reference all the data I have collected, synthesizing it into a script from my own interpretation. When performing QC, I take notes on the script to make sure what's in it matches up with what's on the screen, and ask lots of questions. I want my work to be exemplary. I read extensively and draw from that experience. Chris. I get the script and listen to the program while reading the script. Then I check time codes to see where AD belongs. I make sure the words used in the description conjure accurate images in my mind and consult with the description writer to ensure what is happening on the screen is what is happening in my head. For narration, I use a braille display or an ear prompter. The display ensures I have the words in front of me so I don't miss anything. For time-sensitive projects, the ear prompter is best. Narration should be an integral part of the piece. Too much emotion in the read can be just as jarring as a flat clinical read. Sometimes language doesn't fit with the tone of the story. It may be awkward to say for the voiceover artist or may not be age-appropriate for the piece. On editing and engineering, depending on how the voiceover is recorded, it could be a challenging edit. I need to edit out the background noise and mouth sounds. When mixing the AD track with the program, many companies use automated technology to mix the tracks. The machine decides how far to bring the sound of the program audio down to make room for the AD narrator. It's never good. The human touch is important. I try to put the description on the action, not before or after it, when possible. Lolly, How did you learn that doing AD was possible for you as a blind person? If there were people who helped you along the way, please share these stories. Nefertiti. I educated myself, networked, and identified blind people I admired in the field and interviewed them. They were willing to stay in touch if I had questions. A couple have become mentors. I knew there were already blind people breaking barriers, so I knew I could too. I want to give a shout-out to Roy Samuelson, a voice actor in the field. He's great at advocating for blind people to do this work. I had an opportunity to write the script for Say His Name, Five Days for George Floyd. Roy was the producer with an all-blind team. The incomparable Thomas Reed has provided a lot of guidance throughout my process. We described the ACB-AD gala together. Robert. It came about when I examined the roots of ableism in society. It's an industry I am passionate about. I know I'm a good writer and can contribute, and I take in the same information as someone cited, just through different means. Roy Samuelson was the first to put it in my head that I could write AD. He didn't say how, just that he was sure I could do it. I also want to thank the Social Audio Description team for their encouragement and support. Chris My grandmother asked an important question. What is it that makes you happy, and what do you see yourself doing in 20 years? What do you find yourself doing at four in the morning? The answer was sound design. I went to DigiDesign, the developer of Pro Tools, and asked if it was accessible. They referred me to Rick Boggs, who is also blind. Rick, Slough Halliton, and others helped to make Pro Tools accessible. I applied to the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences, and when the Board of Admissions learned I was blind, they rejected my application. John McJunkin was a board member who disagreed with the decision and offered to teach me on his own time. I wouldn't get the degree, but I would learn how to do the work. 
Rick Boggs showed me how to use Pro Tools with the outspoken screen reader, and I became an intern with his business, We See TV. While working on Toy Story, Boggs asked me to narrate the description. I've been doing voice work ever since. Lolly, what advice do you have for other blind people who want to learn the various aspects of audio description? Nefertiti, there's so much to be gained by connecting with other professionals who do this. It's not just who you know, but how you go on to leverage those contacts. Be sure to learn the technology. Can you emote without overdoing it? Can you read at speed using a screen reader or braille display? Keep up on what's going on in the field. Connect with others in the field on social media, like the audio description Twitter community. Chris. It's not a field where you'll make a lot of money. Television and movie producers want AD that is good, cheap, and fast. But you can only have two of those three things. For aspiring writers, the Audio Description Institute is a good place to start. Be open to feedback from the blind audience. Read to build your vocabulary. Understand how language sounds when spoken. Take some voice classes. Learn how to use a Braille display and an ear prompter. Determine which one you are best at and then work on the other. Invest in some good equipment to do the work. Don't give up. The prevailing attitude is that this is a service for blind people. Keep going until you get a yes. Lolly, is there anything else you want people to know about working in this field? Nefertiti, it's competitive. Pay is all over the place. Some companies are in it for their own reasons that don't always benefit the consumer insofar as producing a quality AD experience. Maintain whatever passion you have and don't be bashful about putting yourself out there. Robert, focus on networking, not so much your expertise. If you can, work with a team. AD is a team effort. The conversation is shifting from what has AD to who has that great narrator I heard last night. Shifting from quantity to quality. Embrace diversity. It would be interesting someday to see a writer who is deaf or hard of hearing with AD. Chris, you have to prove yourself to be capable. Blind people have to work twice as hard in this and other fields. It's neither right nor fair, but it is true. Always do your best and keep your mind and ears open. Audio Description Brings the Cruising Experience to Life by Connie Bateman Many of us have traveled on cruise lines to destinations around the United States and abroad. We have often felt that we were missing out on various aspects of onboard activities or shore excursions because they were visually oriented. Some blind or visually impaired people avoid going on cruises because they don't think they will be able to enjoy them. This article will show how audio description services can enhance your cruising experience. It is important to point out that audio description services on cruise lines are required by law due to the hard work of advocates concerned about the rights and needs of people who are blind and visually impaired. Audio description services on cruise lines falls under Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act, which covers public accommodations for programs and services. If the cruise lines are under U.S. jurisdiction, they are legally required to provide you with an audio describer if you request one. An audio describer can provide audio description for onboard activities such as variety shows, movies, demonstrations, interactive games, presentations, and lectures.
On some cruise lines, an audio describer can accompany you on shore excursions. My first experience utilizing an audio describer on a cruise was on Princess Cruise Lines in 2017. My husband and I booked a cruise to Italy, Spain, and France. My audio describer, Andrea Oquesa, usually provided audio description for live theater and opera. This was her first time providing audio description services on a cruise. Princess contracted with Care Vacations to provide audio description services. Although we booked the cruise in advance and gave the cruise line advance notice, Andrea was only given a few days' notice. Shortly after we arrived, she contacted me and accompanied me to the muster drill. Then she provided me with a tour and description of the layout of the ship. We explored the shops, the internet cafe, the coffee house, and the spa. I requested audio description for the variety shows, movies, and shopping. The ship did not have an audio description transmitter or receivers, so she had to use stargazing equipment instead. This was not an adequate substitute. Andrea was able to accompany me on shore excursions because Princess provided tickets for the audio describer. She sat next to me on the tour buses and described the terrain and landscapes, as well as the colors and designs of local houses and buildings. On walking tours, she provided audio description of the intricate and ornate designs and colors of items in cathedrals, sculptures and statues, artwork, and outdoor scenery. She also provided descriptions of souvenirs and local shops. Andrea pointed out that cruise ships are completely new environments for people who are blind or visually impaired. Most of these ships are like large cities, which they must be able to navigate with no information about the layout of the ships. It is important for blind and visually impaired guests to have audio describers to assist them in learning about this new environment. She suggested that audio describers be given the opportunity to preview movies and variety shows in advance to do a better job describing features of movies and shows, such as fast actions and unusual costumes. She also suggested that ships be equipped with transmitters for the audio describers and receivers with headphones for blind and visually impaired guests. Andrea Oquesa is now the director of Sightlines AD, a company which specializes in providing information, guidance, resources, and services to blind and visually impaired people. One of the company's services is to accompany blind and visually impaired guests on cruises to describe relevant visual elements of the cruises and to maximize the cruise experience for them. Andrea is writing a book about her experiences as an audio describer. My husband and I booked a cruise to the Mexican Riviera in spring of 2018, also with Princess Cruise Lines. Princess again contracted with Care Vacations to provide me with audio description services. Care Vacations contacted AudioVision Bay Area to find an audio describer for the cruise. They found Bob Lowe. When we arrived, Bob called me and accompanied me to the muster drill. We decided that we would meet at the cafe each day to go over the daily schedule. He provided audio description for variety shows, movies, presentations, and shopping. Describing for cruises is very different from describing for live theater. For live theater, the describer is given the opportunity to prepare in advance by being given the scripts, being able to preview the shows, and taking notes on each aspect of the show. On cruises, everything is in the moment, so the audio describer has to be much more alert to perceive accurately what's happening and to make intelligent choices about what to describe. The variety shows were especially challenging because there was singing and dancing, costumes and lighting, and scene changes. 
Before describing the shows, Bob spoke with the theater staff to ask if he could watch the shows after the early dinner seating so that he would be adequately prepared to describe the shows. The staff was very cooperative. Bob was allowed to set up his equipment in the control booth in the theater and take notes on the show. Care Vacations told Bob that he would be expected to arrive on board fully equipped with audio description equipment. They gave him a stipend, so he reached out to specialty companies and used it to purchase a transmitter and receivers. Bob was able to accompany me on shore excursions. He described the scenery, the landscape, and the terrain, and various buildings we passed. On walking tours, he described such things as architectural styles and details, and clothing and souvenirs in shops. Bob noted that the shore excursions were easier to describe because there was time to pick and choose what he would describe as we were passing them on the bus. There was also time for me to ask questions. My husband and I took a Caribbean cruise in the winter of 2018 with a group of friends through celebrity cruise lines. I was pleasantly surprised to discover that Bob Lowe would be the audio describer for our group. Bob reserved a room so we could meet with him as a group and discuss what we would like him to describe. He provided audio description for variety shows, movies, presentations, and trivia games. Bob was able to accompany us on shore excursions, too. One day, he went with half the group to assist them in interacting with dolphins. For this cruise, a member of the purser's office staff was his point of contact. Bob informed the staffer that he would be providing audio description services to blind and visually impaired guests. He was given an ID badge and a pager. Then he spoke with the theater's technical staff to discuss frequencies and transmissions so that the audio description would not interfere with their transmissions. For onboard lectures, he did the descriptions from one side of the theater in order to have a better view of the items being projected on the screen. Joel Snyder, founder and senior consultant for the Audio Description Project of the American Council of the Blind and president of Audio Description Associates, LLC, provided audio description services to guests on Royal Caribbean cruise lines, which included cruises to the Caribbean, Alaska, and the Panama Canal. Joel provided guests with tours of the cruise ships. He described lectures, presentations, variety shows, karaoke, shopping, exercise classes, and interactive games. Braille menus were not always available, so Joel read them to the guests. Joel had to obtain tickets for himself to accompany the guests on shore excursions. On the excursions, he described such things as statues, spectacular scenery, and jewelry and souvenirs in gift shops. He mentioned that ACB's Audio Description Project, ADP, has been working on developing a certification process for audio describers. Now that cruise lines are up and running again, we should find out to what extent cruise lines are currently providing audio description services. Jan Stankus, a retired audio describer for the Media Access Group of WGBH in Boston, was hired to provide audio description services on Disney Cruise Lines. The guests booked the cruise and requested an audio describer in advance. She requested deck plans, maps, photos, and videos of theatrical performances with scripts. Jan was given an opportunity to visit the ship in Florida prior to the cruise. She went on a three-day cruise and was given a tour of the ship and took photos and notes. Jen explained to Disney the type of equipment she would need so the technician was able to acquire transmitters. He also acquired a portable transmitter for activities on deck, as well as receivers, headsets, microphones, extra batteries, and music stands for her to read her scripts to describe performances. 
Shortly after the guests arrived, Jan went to greet them. When guests had specific needs or requests, they would inform someone in guest services and they would notify Jan. She described live theater performances, a puppet show, variety shows, and dance parties. The Disney movies already had audio description. Jan recorded descriptions of various points of interest on the ship in advance, such as the whirlpools, the medical facilities, the gift shops, the daycare center, cafes, pubs, restaurants, the spa, and the game room. The audio files were given to Disney Cruise Lines and uploaded onto handheld devices. Crew members also recorded and uploaded the daily itineraries and menus for different restaurants. The Disney contract did not include Jan accompanying guests and providing audio description on shore excursions. She suggested that this should be included in future contracts. She found the points of interest technology very valuable and stated that this should be implemented on other cruise lines. Here are a few tips and suggestions for requesting an audio describer for a cruise. Book the cruise several months in advance. As soon as you know the dates of the cruise and which ship you will be sailing on, contact the cruise line to request an audio describer. Some cruise lines go through a third party, such as Care Vacations. Ideally, the cruise line will contact companies that specialize in providing audio description services. When an audio describer is found, the cruise line should notify you. Ask what is included in the audio describer's contract. For example, ask what the expectations are for audio description services on board the ship. Find out if the audio describer will be provided with tickets to accompany you on shore excursions. The person providing this service should be a trained and experienced audio describer. Now that you know that you can request an audio describer for a cruise, I hope you will consider requesting one. Happy cruising! ACBDA President's Message by Tom Tobin On behalf of ACB Diabetics in Action, ACBDA, I wish to express my thanks and appreciation to ACB for dedicating the November issue of the Forum to Diabetes Awareness Month. As our readers may or may not know, diabetes, both type 1 and type 2, is at epidemic levels here in the United States as well as around the world. As a result of poor diets, obesity, and any number of poor lifestyle choices, diabetes is running rampant. If this epidemic is not properly addressed, the risk to our healthcare system could be catastrophic, and the impact to our financial systems could bring this country to its knees. The reasons behind these problems are simple. Unchecked diabetes can lead to costly, debilitating, and horrific complications from the disease, including, but not limited to, vision loss, heart disease, kidney failure, peripheral neuropathy, loss of sensation in one's extremities, amputations, or worse, death. Among working-age individuals, diabetic retinopathy results in vision loss and is still the leading cause of vision impairment today, despite the tremendous advancements in medical care. So, the solution is also simple. Effective preventative care. If diabetes is caught early, using advancements in diagnosis, one can effectively manage diabetes by using advanced tools such as oral medications, insulin pumps, continuous glucose monitors, blood glucose meters, insulin pens, etc. 
These solutions can help to normalize blood sugar levels, which results in the prevention or delay of the onset of complications mentioned above, as proven in the Diabetes Control and Complications Study, 1983 to 1992. So, in today's society, we have the tools to effectively treat individuals with diabetes, preventing and delaying complications, helping them to live happy, healthier lives. However, for individuals who have already experienced complications from this insidious disease, i.e. vision loss, it is even more critical to normalize blood sugar levels. But many of the tools mentioned above are not fully accessible and thus unavailable to diabetics living with vision loss. This is where ACB Diabetics in Action comes into play. Since 2005, ACBDA has been serving the needs of individuals living with diabetes and vision loss. Over the past 17 years, ACBDA has worked hard to advocate for fully accessible, durable medical equipment, DME, so that blind or low-vision diabetics can utilize the tools available to everyone else living with diabetes. Recently, ACBDA has had some success in the legislative arena working with Congress to compel the pharmaceutical industry to integrate universal design into their products so these life-saving devices would work for everyone. Moreover, ACBDA is working in collaboration with other blindness consumer organizations on the Accessible Insulin Pump Task Force, has engaged insulin pump manufacturers, and is helping to educate them on why making insulin pumps work for everyone is not only the right thing to do, but a shrewd business decision. Progress is being made in this critical space as well. As president of ACB Diabetics in Action, I am, for the first time in a long time, very much encouraged by the progress being made in the adaptive diabetes management arena. However, as these advances in technology continue to evolve, ACB Diabetics in Action stands ready to serve individuals living with diabetes and vision loss today and in the future. So, I invite you to enjoy this issue of the ACB Braille Forum dedicated to Diabetes Awareness Month, with articles written by members of our Board of Directors and others with subject matter expertise in the adaptive diabetes management space. If you would like more information about ACB Diabetics in Action, or if you are interested in joining our special interest affiliate, please contact us via email at acbdaorg at gmail.com. We welcome your interest and participation. Unwrapping the Sweetness That is the ACBDA Peer Mentor Relations Program by Elizabeth Oleska, ACBDA Peer Mentor Relations Program Chair. With November being Diabetes Awareness Month, you may have many questions about how individuals living with both diabetes and sight loss can be of needed positive support, encouragement, and empowerment for others and even themselves. Well, ACB Diabetics in Action began developing a program to do just this. The brainstorming, collaboration, and building process began in October 2021. This brings us now to where we are today. ACBDA's Peer Mentor Relations, PMR, officially began September 1, 2022. Before going into more detail, I would like to iterate that the ACBDA Peer Mentor Program is in fact different from the MAPS program that ACB has recently initiated. Neither of these programs are associated with one another. 
Both programs are being run differently and fully separate from each other. If you are interested in learning more about the peer mentor program offered by ACBDA, you must be a current paid member of the ACBDA affiliate group. The main goal of the ACBDA PMR program is to be able to provide appropriate support for all interested members in the areas of both diabetes diagnoses and sight loss. There are countless areas in which support is not only desired, but also desperately needed, which is why we have developed such an in-depth, peer-to-peer model. You may not realize it, but many of you already provide mentor-mentee support to one another simply by responding to questions posed through different platforms, such as Facebook, email, listserv groups, or the community calls. This is a large part of what a peer mentor does and does not need to take much of your time. Being a part of a program like ACBDA Peer Mentor Relations Program provides opportunities of knowing that you are making a difference in the lives of your peers. Or perhaps you are looking to learn about better health habits, nutrition and diet, exercise, sexual or mental well-being with diabetes, beginning a new insulin therapy regimen, etc., and need an accountability partner, information or facts, or just some support. Participating in the ACBDA PMR program does not need to take much time, maybe just a few minutes a week or more if so desired. The interactions of all participants are completely up to those involved. But without the support and participation of ACBDA members, the program could not be successful. So try something new and make it a better year for yourself and those you care about by becoming a member of ACB Diabetics in Action and join the PMR program today. So, which one will it be? Mentor or mentee? For more information on how to become a member of ACB Diabetics in Action, get involved, or if you have any questions after reading this article, you can check out our website at acbda.org, email acbda directly at acbdaorg at gmail.com, or email me privately at hrbolekse at gmail.com. I will be more than happy to answer your questions and to be sure that you are provided with the best match possible for your needs. Together, we can create a web of much-needed support to hold one another up through the challenging journey that is both diabetes and sight loss. Join us in ACB Diabetics in Action by Linda Olivia McKinley, ACBDA Membership Co-Chair. We are a dynamic affiliate with multiple committees and monthly board meetings that are open to our community. Our annual dues are a bargain at $10 and aren't due until March 1st. A sweet deal, if you'll pardon the pun. We provide a quarterly email newsletter, and our ACBDA email listserv is a very active one. Members share their struggles, triumphs, journal articles, and recipes, so there is truly something for everyone. Several of our members have chosen to be lifetime members of ACBDA. Many of our members are type 1 or type 2 diabetics, as would be expected, but we also advocate for and assist family members or spouses who care for diabetics. Those who may have been told that they are borderline diabetics or pre-diabetic, or who simply want to optimize their health and wellness as blind or visually impaired people, also attend our information calls. 
Our workshops during National Convention are structured to provide more in-depth guidance in the management and education around this disease, which has reached epidemic levels. On the second Wednesday of each month at 8 p.m. Eastern, we present topics of interest via Zoom and by phone. Before community calls were introduced, we had monthly Wednesday information sessions by telephone. Speakers have included representatives from podiatry, exercise and physical therapy, nutrition services, and vendors of products unique to diabetes. On the third Saturday of each month at 5 p.m., we sponsor a community social chat where all are welcome. By popular demand, our program committee has added a second community chat on the fourth Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. The links can be found on the weekly schedule for the community offerings, sent daily by Cindy Hollis and her staff. Political waters are never stagnant, so our officers and membership must stay on top of the latest gamesmanship in Washington. Legislatively, we are currently collaborating with CNIB and NFB to ensure that Congress understands the need for accessible, durable medical equipment, not only for insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors, but for such basics as oximeters, thermometers, and pacemakers. We must have the option and ability to test, monitor, and manage our diabetes independently via these devices, just as sighted people do. The technology exists to manufacture these, and they ought to be accessible straight out of the box, just as they are for the non-disabled population. Fortunately, our affiliate has people from Hawaii to Maine, so there are opportunities to contact most senators and representatives as their constituents. Diabetes is a leading cause of blindness and vision loss. As of this writing, a standing peer mentor relations committee has been created to provide support on an individual level. Navigating a new or changing diagnosis can be less onerous if we learn from another who has successfully dealt with the combined hassles of vision loss and diabetes. This program is detailed elsewhere in this issue of the forum. Since the form of diabetes, degree of vision loss, and treatment regimen vary throughout our community, a new or existing affiliate member can be paired with a mentor who shares very similar characteristics or circumstances. For example, a type 2 diabetic being treated with oral medication has specific needs that differ from a type 1 diabetic who uses an insulin pump. Monitoring and treatment products on the market are not created equal, so the level of blindness or low vision also will factor in when pairing a current user of these products with someone who may be totally new to the method. Obstacles and barriers are frustrating, so linking up with a peer-to-peer -peer mentor can be beneficial. To learn more or to become a member, visit our website, www.acbda.org. If you encounter difficulty and would like help accessing the payment link, please email us at acbdaorg at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Accessible Insulin Pumps by Kat Hamilton, Canadian National Institute for the Blind. After insulin was discovered in 1921 by a team of researchers at the University of Toronto, it has gone down in history as one of the great Canadian inventions. Last year marked 100 years since this discovery, which gave us the opportunity to reflect on and celebrate how far we've come, as well as how far we have to go. Ten years ago, I was working for the Royal National Institute of Blind People, 
RNIB, in London, England, and would speak with people who were blind and living with diabetes who wanted to know where to get an accessible insulin pump. At that point, the question wasn't if an accessible pump existed, because we had assumed that must be the case, but where could they find it? After carrying out some initial research, I was shocked to find that there were no fully accessible insulin pumps available, not just in the UK, but on the global market. I tried my best to support people and connect them with healthcare resources, but that's as much as I could do at the time. As a relentless advocate, it left a very bitter taste in my mouth. Now working in Canada for the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, CNIB, the feeling of déjà vu came upon me a couple of years ago when I was speaking with those living with sight loss and diabetes who were lamenting the fact that their insulin pumps weren't accessible. As so many years had passed, I thought that surely this couldn't still be the case. As it happens, it's still very much the case. This is not for want of trying, by the sheer determination of those who have been advocating for accessible insulin pumps and glucometers for many years. There are 750,000 people living with diabetic retinopathy in Canada, not taking into account the number of people living with other sight conditions and diabetes, so we knew that this was something we needed to take on. As we got started, we were not aware of the extent of the great work that others were doing across North America and beyond, and so we tried to go it alone and reach out to the manufacturers to gather more information and have a further discussion. Sometimes, community advocates believe that a large organization like CNIB holds more weight than individuals, but our letters to the four main insulin pump manufacturers who operate in Canada remained unanswered. This led us to be incredibly disheartened, and we would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the support of Diabetes Canada, who hold those key relationships with the manufacturers in Canada and were able to open doors for us. Through those initial discussions, we were also able to build momentum and find out about other allies across North America, including other groups representing people who are blind or partially sighted, healthcare professionals, researchers, and government representatives. A hundred years ago, if a person was diagnosed with diabetes, it would have been a death sentence. Ten years ago, when I heard the frustrations of people who couldn't independently manage their diabetes due to inaccessible pumps, the problem seemed insurmountable. It is so easy to see the task ahead of us and believe it will never happen in our lifetime. If those University of Toronto researchers had felt the same in 1921, I would not want to imagine where we would be now. Big problems call for big solutions. It is through the collaborative efforts of everyone who owns a piece of this issue that we continue to gain traction, even when it sometimes feels like pushing a very heavy boulder up a steep hill. And yet, we must persist, because the option that people who are blind remain unable to independently manage their own personal health is not a viable one. We are grateful to stand alongside the ACB and other American partners in tackling this issue. If you are interested in learning more about the work CNIB is carrying out in Canada, please visit tinyurl.com slash bddw numeral 3btp. Accessible Insulin Pump Task Force by Veronica Elsie Do you live with diabetes? Do you care for someone who lives with diabetes? 
Have you thought about using an insulin pump, but were told that it wasn't accessible to you? Have you tried working with an insulin pump and given up in frustration? Do you feel like blindness has forced you to accept less than adequate diabetes management tools? You are definitely not alone. But finally, advocacy and cooperation just might be changing the narrative. The Accessible Insulin Pump Task Force has been an active working group for almost two years. Originally initiated by the NFB, the task force is now a collaboration between ACB, NFB, and CNIB. Our goal is to form working partnerships with insulin pump manufacturers to create devices that are fully accessible to all, with an emphasis on those who are blind or low vision. The task force currently has seven active members, six of whom are blind or low vision insulin pump users, giving a great deal of time, talent, and effort toward making accessible insulin pumps a reality. This past year featured the creation and presentation of a panel discussion, Insulin Pump Access for All, to which we invited representatives from several insulin pump and medical device manufacturers, giving them a chance to hear our stories, challenges, needs, and suggestions for creating accessible insulin pumps for those who are blind or low vision. At the presentation on April 6, 2022, there were more than 60 attendees present, representing most of the major manufacturers. As a result of this discussion, the task force has already had productive introductory meetings with Insulate, Tandem, Medtronic, and Dexcom while still contacting others. We are encouraged by their enthusiasm, sincerity, and early commitment to making their devices fully accessible. We are excited to begin the next phase of our work, introducing these companies to millions of eager or desperate blind or low-vision diabetics who want and need the benefits an insulin pump or continuous glucose monitor can offer. After all, not only is diabetes still one of the leading causes of vision loss in adults, but millions who are blind from many other eye conditions are not immune from being diagnosed with diabetes or serving as a caregiver for a family member who lives with this diagnosis. As diabetes-related technology is evolving, we hope that medical companies will soon regard meeting our needs as a smart business decision, not as a legal liability. At the same time, we are striving to help them understand that accessibility means being able to safely and independently use their hardware, perform all of the extra steps like filling syringes, as well as using any smartphone apps, which can be used to control the insulin pumps. We are also sharing resources to help them discover how easy it is to add speech output to the devices themselves. We are still in the early stages of our work, but eventually, more consumer input will be sought. As we expand our interactions with all manufacturers, we hope that forming good partnerships will ultimately lead to accessibility becoming part of the very early process of designing equipment, and that more blind and low-vision consumers will be part of the early design input and testing processes. We are looking forward to the day when any person who is blind or low-vision can choose and use an insulin pump in the same manner as their sighted peers, based solely on its features related to diabetes control. By working together and leveraging resources from three organizations, we believe that future insulin pumps will not leave us behind, being forced to use legacy technology, but will allow us to take advantage of new technologies which combine insulin pumps with continuous glucose monitors, 
automatically adjusting insulin delivery while we simply go about our daily lives like everyone else. Please be patient and stay tuned for further exciting updates from us. Accessible Insulin Pump Task Force Members Veronica Elsie, Chair Patricia Maddox Melanie Torrance Mary Davis Tom Tobin, President, ACB Diabetics in Action Kat Hamilton, CNIB Ryan Huey, CNIB Accessibility of Tandem T-Slim X2 Insulin Pump and T-Connect mobile app with bolus capabilities a Step in the Right Direction, by Patricia Maddox. The Tandem T-Slim X2 Insulin Pump is a device about 3 inches long, 2.5 inches wide, and 3 eighths inches thick. It has a removable cartridge that holds up to 300 units of rapid-acting insulin. The cartridge connects to tubing with a catheter on the end that goes under the skin of the body. The pump is programmed with the user's individual insulin needs. The pump then delivers microdoses of insulin continuously 24 hours per day. This delivery is called basal insulin, which the body needs. When the user plans to eat or needs to bring down an unexpected high blood glucose level, the grams of carbohydrate or desired dose of insulin has to be entered into the pump to deliver the insulin. This is called a bolus dose. Until recently, these bolus doses needed to be entered on the touchscreen of the pump and could not be done without some sighted assistance. Although the Tandem T-Slim X2 insulin pump is not completely accessible to blind or low-vision users, it does have an app called T-Connect for iOS and Android that is very accessible except for the graph that shows blood glucose and insulin delivery history. The mobile app has been available for a couple of years to allow users to view many status features of the pump, but until this summer, users could not interact in any way with the pump directly from the app. Tandem has been rolling out the feature that allows users to program and deliver a bolus directly from the mobile app. To be able to use the new bolus feature, the customer is first sent an email with instructions and links to online training, a code that will be needed to upgrade the pump and a link to upgrade the pump. The training modules and upgrade process require some sighted assistance. Once the upgrade is completed, the app is completely accessible. The T-Connect app has four tabs along the bottom of the screen. From left to right, they are a dashboard, bolus, notifications, settings. Once the user taps on the bolus tab, a screen appears where the user can enter in either the units of insulin they want to deliver or the grams of carbohydrate they plan to eat. For low-vision users, the buttons, words, and numbers are very large and high contrast. For even better contrast, the phone settings can be set to grayscale inverted. For blind users, all of the information reads aloud. When entering carbs, the program takes into account not only the carbs, but the current blood glucose level from the connected Dexcom sensor, as well as insulin on board, and displays a recommended dose. All of the computations are itemized for the user to review. The user can then proceed to the Next and Confirm buttons to bring up the bolus delivery button and administer the dose with fingerprint, face ID, or passcode verification. Alternately, the user can choose to adjust the recommended dose if they feel they know something that the pump does not, like they plan to exercise right after the meal, etc. 
The user can also enter the exact units of insulin they want to deliver without entering carbs to deliver a correction for a high blood glucose or if they choose to do their own calculations. The app, just like the pump, asks you several times to confirm the dose to avoid mistakes. Prior to the release of this new mobile bolus feature, the only way a blind user could deliver a bolus without sighted assistance was to use the quick bolus feature directly on the pump. This feature, when enabled, provides audible beeps when pressing an external button to count out and confirm the dose. Using this method, the pump cannot adjust the dose based on a blood glucose above or below the pump's pre-programmed target of 110. The user would have to calculate these adjustments on their own. Just remember, the Tandem T-Slim X2 pump itself is a flat-touch screen with no audible feedback to select on-screen buttons to get to menus and perform programming and site change functions. Blind users are able to manage the delivery of insulin and respond to notifications independently between site changes that generally occur every two to three days. However, the process to draw up insulin in a large syringe, remove air from the cartridge, remove bubbles from the syringe and put the insulin into the cartridge, as well as priming the tubing with insulin to see when it comes out of the catheter, cannot generally be done by independently blind users. This process also requires the ability to use the pump's touchscreen to go into the menu and proceed through numerous screens to complete this process. Another tab on the app is called Dashboard, which contains a lot of useful information about the current status of the pump. It reads aloud using voiceover. Some of the information included is battery charge percentage, units of insulin remaining in the cartridge, current blood glucose when connected to Dexcom G6, insulin on board, time in range for the last 24 hours, current basal rate, last bolus, and whether it was one you delivered or if control IQ, the pump's automated bolus feature delivered it. The time the last bolus was delivered, if control IQ is turned on or off, which basal profile is currently running, when your sensor was started, and a few other items. Another tab is called Notifications. The pump periodically gives alerts and notifications that show up on the touchscreen of the pump. These can be viewed and read aloud in the app in this tab. They cannot be cleared or dismissed from the app, but blind users can easily learn to do this. Tandem is to be applauded for the development of this new accessible app, which allows the user to feel more confident in taking correct bolus insulin and reduces stress around the multiple doses of insulin required every day. Technology surrounding diabetes is changing very rapidly, and this is a wonderful first step toward fully accessible medical devices. We still have a long way to go and need to continue to advocate for people who are blind and have diabetes. A New Lease on Life by Jeff Bishop Editor's Note Jeff Bishop is an ACB board member, second vice president of ACB Diabetics in Action, and chair of the Information Access Committee. Introduction Each of us has a different journey in our story of diabetes, whether we have type 1, type 2, or those that may be pre-diabetic. I wanted to share my story in the hope that it may help others. This story is about my experience and my opinions and should not be considered professional medical advice. I strongly encourage you to work with your medical team to determine the tools that are best for your circumstances.
beginning my 20 years with diabetes. I always knew in the back of my mind that diabetes was in my future due to the significant family history of the disease. In the summer of 2002, I was preparing to head to the seeing eye for my next guide dog. As usual, medical forms and a complete physical were required before going to the school. The doctor was slightly concerned about elevated blood sugar numbers, but they were not high enough to warrant any corrective action at that time. In addition, I had just had blood work done for a life insurance policy, and nothing came back about any medical issues. I returned home with my new seeing eye dog, Jacinda, and all was well, until I woke up one night with all of the classic symptoms of diabetes. The horrible thirst, constant needing to use the restroom, and people had also made comments about my appearance while I was working. A quick trip to the doctor found that I had type 2 diabetes. My initial A1C was 10.6. A normal A1C is approximately 5.6 or below, to be out of the pre-diabetic range. Your lab ranges may be slightly different, so it is best to check with your healthcare provider. I saw several doctors, including a nephrologist. I received the biggest scare of my life. I was told that if I did not take care of this situation, I would most likely be on dialysis by the age of 50, and probably gone before reaching the age of 60. It was a scary time in my life, and I knew that I had to do something. Managing my disease. For 16 years, I lived with diabetes by utilizing oral medication, insulin, exercise, and just trying to manage the disease. While I kept my A1C at very acceptable levels, my weight was continuing to plague me, and it showed up in my kidney tests and other blood work. I attempted supervised diet plans, and while they took off 20 to 30 pounds, they weren't taking off enough to impact the progression of my diabetes. My endocrinologist offered me advice along the way and suggested that I look at surgical approaches to manage my diabetes. I was never the type to jump to surgical solutions quickly, so I tried lots of exercise and other alternatives before seriously considering other options. Making a Lifestyle Change At the age of 50, I knew that I was 10 years away from potentially very serious complications if I did not make some drastic changes in my life. For this reason, I began to study all the alternatives in earnest. I chose to receive a gastric bypass in November of 2019, the day before Thanksgiving. Now, after three years, I am off all diabetes medications. I have lost well over 140 pounds, and my A1C has been less than 5.5 for the past three years. My blood work and kidney function have dramatically improved, and I have added significant years to my life. Now, is this option the right one for everyone? Researching what is right for you. Each of us lives with diabetes, and we all have a different journey to take in our lives. I would strongly encourage all of you to consult with your medical team to determine what is the right path for you. I chose a gastric bypass for the following reasons. I wanted to achieve significant weight loss. I wanted to have a better chance at putting my diabetes in remission. I wanted to significantly reduce my chances of heart attacks, strokes, and heart and kidney failure. According to medical doctors at the Cleveland Clinic, these procedures can have the following outcomes. A majority of patients lose 50 to 80% of their excess weight during the 18 to 24 months after surgery. Effects on blood sugar are immediate, within days after surgery. 
people who have this surgery can reduce or eliminate diabetes medications. Ruin Y surgery is effective at diabetes control. About 33% of these patients do not need diabetes drugs after surgery. Within two years of surgery, a total of 85% of patients do not require medication. Their diabetes is in remission. There are, of course, risks in any surgical procedures. This is where having a supportive medical team is critical when making life-changing decisions about your health. Conclusion My diabetes has been in remission for almost three years at the time of publishing, and I have lost almost all the weight needed to get to my goal. The last five pounds have been difficult to get off. Is this option right for you? Only you can answer that for yourself. I can only tell you that whatever tools you choose to use to treat your diabetes, make sure to use them and follow the guidance given to you by your medical team. Diabetes is a complex disease, and every situation is unique. I know that I will live much longer due to the choices that I have made for my life. My best advice to you after describing my journey is simply get up and get moving. This is the number one thing that you can do to improve your health. No amount of surgery, medication, or other treatment options are going to work unless you do what you can to get your body moving. So far this year, I have walked over 800 miles, and I don't even know how many miles I have ridden on my bike or run on my treadmill. I wouldn't be achieving the outcomes I am unless I utilized all the tools to allow for my success. Don't be afraid to ask for help or advice. It takes all of us to achieve great things. Please join us in the ACB Diabetics in Action Affiliate. We are a very supportive group and can help you along your way in improving your health. Let's all get moving even more, drop those A1C numbers, and improve our lives so we can truly continue to make a difference in the world in which we live. Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACB Braille Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to slovering at acb.org or phone the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Piano Teacher Available Mark Miller has been teaching blind and visually impaired piano students for over 15 years. He teaches over the phone and or over Skype Zoom. His method of teaching combines some ear training with a lot of theory and practical concepts. Students can expect to learn all their three-note chords in the first lesson or two and then apply those left-hand chords in popular songs. Miller offers a free 30-minute, no-obligation lesson consultation. For more information, call him at 847-401-1721 or visit www blindpianolessons.com New Books from National Braille Press National Braille Press has recently released a number of new books. New to Blindness and Wanting to Learn How to Use a Computer? Then Computer Basics for the Newly Blind User, An Introduction to Windows-Related Assistive Technology by Kim and Chris Nova is the book for you.
It's available in Braille, BRF, DAISY, or Word. Another new book in the tech section is An Introduction to Chromebooks, Big Productivity in a Small Package by Kim and Chris Nova. It is available in Braille, DAISY, BRF, and Word. This book covers Chromebooks from A to Z. If you're looking for reference tools on nutrition, weights, and measures, Nutrition Spark Charts and Weights and Measures Spark Charts might be just what you need. They're available in hard copy Braille as well as BRF. They cover a wide range of college and graduate school subjects. For more information, call toll-free 1-800-548-7323 or visit tinyurl.com slash numeral 3 MSZ numerals 54 CT. I Remember by Tyson Ernst I looked out the window of the charter bus as it made its way through the lanes of Arlington National Cemetery. And as I gazed out at the rows and rows of white, the tears rolled. Because I remembered. I remembered those I served with who never made it back. I remembered those I served with who did make it back, but not without scars, both visible and invisible. And I remembered those who never went, and yet gave those who did the vital support needed to continue on. And I wept. I remember being a 16-year-old boy being excited to play Army as the recruiter filled my head with images of dollars I could never get in a part-time job, and war was something on the big screen. I was born during the Vietnam War, but not old enough to remember the nightly totals of fallen soldiers given at the end of the national news broadcast. I remember wondering if I made a mistake as I stood with so many others in the MEPS Center and swore an oath to defend the Constitution, because I wanted to go to college, and now I was off to learn to handle a rifle and operate heavy weapons. I remember the feel of spit as it flew from the drill sergeant's mouth while screaming at me from only inches away. And I remember the day it changed, the day they approached me to leave behind the fearful boy and become something else. Looking out that bus window, I catch my reflection in the glass, as it is superimposed over the view of so many of my brothers and sisters as they lay in final rest. I see the fields of green grass sketched with endless lines of white, and my image is among them. And I wish sometimes I could not remember. I think back to those tears and wonder who they are for. Are they for those who gave their life in the cause of American ideals? Are they for the boy who died that day in the humid Georgia woods? Or are they for the man who came back and remembers it all? Veterans Day is Friday, November 11. Please hug your veterans tight every day. ACB Officers President Dan Spoon, Second Term, 2023 3924 Lake Mirage Boulevard, Orlando, Florida 32817-1554. First Vice President, Deb Cook-Lewis. First Term, 2023. 1131 Liberty Drive, Clarkston, Washington, 99403. Second Vice President, Ray Campbell. Second Term, 2023. 216 Prestwick Road, Springfield, Illinois. 62702-3330 Secretary Denise Colley Second Term 2023 26131 Travis Brook Drive 
Richmond, Texas, 77406-3990. Treasurer David Trott. Final term, 2023. 1018 East Street South, Talladega, Alabama, 35160. Immediate Past President Kim Charlson. 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. ACB Board of Directors. Christopher Bell, Pittsburgh, North Carolina. First term, 2024. Jeff Bishop, Kirkland, Washington. Second term, 2024. Donna Brown, Romney, West Virginia. First term, 2024. Gabriel Lopez Cafati, Miami Lakes, Florida. First term, 2026. Terry Pacheco, Silver Spring, Maryland. First term, 2026. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia. Second term, 2024. Rachel Schroeder, Springfield, Illinois. First term, 2026. Kenneth Semyon Sr., Beaumont, Texas. First term, 2024. Connie Sims, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. First term, 2026. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California. Second term, 2026. ACB Board of Publications. Katie Frederick, Chair, Worthington, Ohio. First term, 2023. Cheryl Cummings, Boston, Massachusetts. First term, 2023. Zelda Gebhard, Edgeley, North Dakota. Second term, 2024. Penny Reeder, Montgomery Village, Maryland. Third term, 2024. Gache Wells, Jacksonville, Florida. First term, 2024. Accessing your ACB, Braille, and eForums. The ACB eForum may be accessed by email on the ACB website via download from the webpage in Word, plain text, or Braille-ready file, or by phone at 518-906-1820. To subscribe to the email version, contact Sharon Lovering, S-L-O-V-E-R-I-N-G, at acb.org. The ACB Braille Forum is available by mail, in Braille, large print, NLS-style digital cartridge, and via email. It is also available to read or download from ACB's webpage and by phone 518-906-1820. Subscribe to the podcast versions from your second-generation Victor Reader stream or from https colon slash slash p-i-n-e-c-a-s-t dot com slash feed slash a-c-b dash braille dash forum dash and dash e dash forum.